Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm happy to welcome my guest, Ricardo Baca of Grasslands PR Agency. Ricardo is a 20-year veteran journalist and cannabis futurist, widely respected in both modern media and drug policy circles. He was appointed the Denver Post first ever cannabis editor in 2013 and founded the news vertical The Cannabist, where he extensively covered the advent of the U.S. adult use cannabis market and related issues around the world, as seen in the feature documentary Rolling Papers. Ricardo launched Grasslands, a journalism-minded agency, in 2016 to work directly with business leaders in highly regulated industries from cannabis and psychedelics to spirits and healthcare. Grasslands is a journalism-minded marketing and public relations agency working with bold brands in cannabis and psychedelics. Named one of Fortune's seven most powerful people in America's marijuana industry in 2016 and Marketer of the Year by AdCan in 2019, Ricardo has received numerous accolades for his trailblazing work, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Welcome, Ricardo. Bethany, thank you so much for having me, friend. Yay. Awesome. Um, I, I can't wait to get into this conversation, but first for our listeners, let's chat a little bit more about your background and some of the things that you did before you got into the cannabis movement and industry world. Absolutely. You know, I very much come from journalism. Uh, I cut my teeth in journalism going back to like a high school, college newspaper uh, situation and ended up studying journalism and uh, working for daily newspapers for about 24 years. Um, And that really was my entry to the world of weed. Uh, Very much unexpected. uh, But of course, when Coloradans were among the first in the world to legalize adult use back in 2012, uh, the powers that be at the Denver Post, where I was uh, working at the time, uh, they 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 approached me and said, hey, we want you to cover the business of cannabis, um, and we also want you to have some fun with it. Uh, and they appointed me as the paper's first ever marijuana editor. Uh, and that was a position I held from uh, 2013 through 2017. So it was a total blast um, and very much uh, still consider myself a journalist, occasionally still write op-eds for various publications. Um, even though I, I live firmly in the marketing and PR world these days, uh, journalism really does inform everything we do at Grasslands. Uh, and it really is built from those 24 years on the beat, uh, including the more than three years on the cannabis beat, which really just opened my mind up to how messed up U.S. drug policy actually is. And uh, then it was such a blast being able to cover that for a huge daily newspaper. um, And uh, throughout that time, just developed the love uh, for this plant uh, and a passion for speaking out on behalf of it and discovering my inner activist a little bit late because of my first chosen profession of journalism. Of course, I couldn't uh, put a sign in my yard or a bumper sticker on my car. So, uh, but it feels great now to be able to embrace the interactivist and and to really step out and speak out 
um, on behalf of this vastly misunderstood plant and other uh, vastly misunderstood sub substances. Absolutely. And to the point of, you know, journalism and marketing and storytelling, as, as I like to uh, call it, um, I, I too have a background in journalism and in high school had an internship at the local county newspaper. Nice. Um, yeah. So, I, but you're right. You do kind of have to remain agnostic or uh, without any bias when you're when you have your journalism reporting hat on. And on the other side of that is the marketing advertising side where it's completely on the other side of the editorial wall, as we say. Is that right? Of course. Yep. Uh, definitely. There is. It's like church and state. Um, <laughs> you know, the editorial side is the church and the advertising side is the state. Uh, you know, media doesn't work without both. Um, you have to pay the journalists. But of course, with like capital J journalism, uh, some of these mainstream institutions that are still ethical and still smart and thoughtful about their journalism, um, you do have to keep those separate and for good reason. And, you know, modern journalism is a complicated place to be. Uh, they are, of course, concerned about conflicts of interest, but they're also concerned about the perception of a conflict of interest, which complicates things so when you're a young adult trying to find your way around the world and be a part of your communities. Oftentimes you are cut out of uh, some of those opportunities simply because of your chosen profession. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And and combining all this with activism is where you and I find ourselves today. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Yes. So, yeah, the the Denver Post definitely broke, you know, broke the, the, the wall. It was kind of a breakthrough to have a TV show all about cannabis. Uh, and that was right at the beginning of the adult use market rolling out here in Colorado. And I, I remember watching quite a few episodes and my coworker Vince worked with you on that show as well. It's, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it was, it was kind of the first of its kind. Is that right? Yeah. You know, at the time it was just very unusual um, to have a, uh, that kind of a position existing within a mainstream media construct. So, right. so yeah, at the time I was definitely the, the first cannabis editor in the mainstream, uh, the first full-time uh, journalist reporting on the industry from, uh, you know, especially from a mainstream media perspective. Um, but yeah, that was pretty groundbreaking at the time. And, and because of that, there's a lot of fascinating uh, light shown on the work that we were doing, which was great because we were doing really important work at the dawn of the legal era. When you think about it, we were, we were partnering with, um, <clears throat> state licensed cannabis testing labs to test edibles for potency and see how close these operators were getting and, and what kind of products uh, consumers ultimately were consuming, um, you know, and also taking up uh, concentrates, extracts, uh, vape oils to uh, similar labs and, and, and researching them for the presence of active ingredient chemicals uh, that were spread via the use of pesticides during the cultivation cycle. So it was a lot of holding the powerful accountable in industry, uh, but also very much in very much so in government as well. You know, some of these, uh, some of these, this research and these reports and exposés that my team and I produced, 
um, you know, we were we were very much out there being a watchdog for public health. And then we realized in certain conditions that state regulators and local regulators hadn't stepped up fast enough to make sure that there was a safe ecosystem for uh, this plant um, to exist within. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a really important work and it was pretty groundbreaking. As a part of that, we did have the Cannabis Show, which you're referencing, which was a cool five camera shoot, TV show, podcast, all the things. And yeah, it is pretty mind blowing when you think about the hundred episodes of I, that I hosted of that show. We just had so many industry leaders from across the spectrum. In many ways, it's similar to what you, the great work you've done, Bethany, with this podcast. I mean, these are living documents that will outlive us all. And really, they tell a very important story of the early days of the regulated cannabis market. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for that. I know six and a half years of this podcast, it's hard to hard to wrap my head around, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, so moving to today, before we take our first commercial break, uh, what is new and hot with Grasslands, a journalism-minded agency? Oh, you know, everything is new and hot, seemingly. You know, we're coming <laughs> off a, a successful 420. It was, I think it was just a really exciting 420 for the industry. Um, of course, the first legal 420 for a lot of states, including New York. Um, and I have a, a couple colleagues out there doing some great work across 420 and Trailblazers and MJ Unpacked, of course. Um, but yeah, I think some other new and exciting things, we're just happy to work with some really great industry leading brands. And, you know, sometimes that does mean the big brands that you know about, um, uh, you know, like the Cookies and the Puffcos, who we are so honored to be working with every day. Um, and, and oftentimes, it too, it's small brands, it's single state operators, and it's B2B businesses, these brands that really make the industry go and move forward. And so, so yeah, I think we're just really proud to be uh, working with who we are working with right now. Uh, and, uh, and of course, contributing to this modern conversation, uh, which very much revolves around the work happening in D.C. right now with, um, of course, Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Department of Health and Human Services uh, contemplating a potential reassessment of this plant's scheduling. So uh, very, very involved there and uh, um, really hoping to see some actual movement. We need, of course, uh, descheduling entirely <laughs> and no, mm -hmm. none of this rescheduling nonsense, but I know uh, that you all are doing fantastic work with that with lobby days coming up as well. So, so, you know, we're just, we're just thrilled to be working with uh, the folks that we're working with, including NCIA. You betcha. Yes. We've been working on descheduling topics, banking, 280E of the IRS tax code. You're absolutely right. We're going back to D.C. in mid-May for our 11th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days, which I'll mention a little bit more later in the show. But for now, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll be right back to chat more with Ricardo Baca of Grasslands. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. 
I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we're talking with Ricardo Ricardo Baca of Grasslands, a journalism-minded agency. So let's dive into the nitty-gritty here of what it's like working for cannabis companies in the marketing and advertising realm. And of course, social media is a part of our lives, and it plays a crucial role in all of this. So Twitter, oh, Twitter's been uh, in the news quite a bit lately, but um, they kind of opened up, uh, for back, lack of a better phrase, their uh, cannabis advertising policies and capabilities. The last several years has been very difficult to advertise or talk about cannabis companies on all channels of social media. Even us as a nonprofit advocacy organization, we also have come up against some challenges even talking about our lobbying and advocacy efforts in cannabis. So let's take a look at that. Tell me, tell me what you're seeing there. Of course, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of a nightmare. Uh, this continued nightmare of cannabis's, uh, you know, schedule one status is really makes for a nightmare for a lot of marketers who are trying to get the good work uh, the get get the good word out uh, being done by a lot of the great organizations and brands in the space. Um, you know, w- when you zoom out and you look at the most important advertising channels available to any brand today, it really does revolve around Google and Facebook. And when you think about cannabis not having any access to either of those channels, that kind of sets the stage for the severity of what we're talking about here. Um, with, without access to those channels, uh, these brands and organizations are very much forced to look elsewhere f- to find that brand awareness and to find those new audiences that are essential to our eventual growth. And so, yeah, of course, Twitter coming on, uh, coming in hot, lots of co- complicated <laughs> things going on in that organization right now. But oh yeah, <laughs> if there is a silver lining, sure, they are opening up certain types of cannabis advertising definitely not all types and you can still definitely get yourself in trouble there if you're if you're not paying attention or not working with the right partner um but still it really illustrates the need for us to have a wider um array of opportunities for that paid media channel because you know zooming out again for any brand you really have to be looking at those three primary forms of media because that really um, makes up your integrated marketing approach because of course you have paid media you know where you're uh, ad- advertising somewhere or uh, buying a sponsorship to an event uh, boosting your post on twitter that's paid media you also have your owned media you know and that owned media is is all important as well that is your website, that is your social channels. Um, And that's so important because um, that is where this new generation is really looking for you. I was talking to my niece the other day about a cool brand and she didn't Google them. She looked them up on Instagram. Uh, and, And then beyond that, you do have earned media and that really is where public relations comes in. So in short, without these access to some of these huge channels like Google and Facebook, uh, the smart move for uh, any cannabis brand is to really double down on your owned media channel, uh, because the more you're strategically positioning yourself there, the better SEO you will have coming out of this nightmare of federal illegality. Uh, but it's also about your earned media. You know, how are you positioning yourself 
in front of the media, in front of media outlets, that's print, broadcast, online, podcast. You know, this is earned media, what we're doing right now. So what are you doing with your brand to position yourself in front of those outlets to make sure that you're securing that all important type of media? Because of the three, earned, owned, and paid, uh, earned is by far and away the most trusted form of media. And so uh, a lot of smart brands are really starting there, making sure that they can not only have that SEO working for them, but also that they have this public awareness, this trusted awareness from an earned media strategy by the time we see descheduling happening and eventual federal legality. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% makes sense. Um, And there's so many platforms for all three types of media as well, (laughs) including this podcast. Absolutely. And, you know, thanks for mentioning SEO. You know, I work with our members and our committees, which brilliant work coming out of our committees, publishing a lot of their content. I'm the content monster. And SEO is a huge part of that big picture of getting content out, getting information out to people. So I know a bit about SEO, but I'm not going to claim to be an SEO expert. Can you take a little bit of a deep dive into the role that search engine optimization, SEO, plays into these cannabis companies with their advertising strategy? Of course. And so all of this, we're ultimately talking about that integrated marketing approach, right? You're taking the same message and pushing it across multiple channels because your consumer, your target audience, they really need to see your name and your message and your value prop seven times, maybe 11, 12 times now before it starts resonating with them, before they even remember you. So at the 10,000 foot level, we are talking about integrated marketing. And as we get way in there, uh, let's start talking about the owned marketing channel because that is your website and that is the primary area where SEO comes into play. Uh, As Bethany mentioned, SEO is search engine optimization. And we recognize uh, all marketing is really about brand awareness because when when your customer is trying to find you, they don't know who you are. Uh, They're not Googling the name of your dispensary. Chances are, oftentimes, they've never even heard of it. They happen to be in this part of the world. They're looking for a cannabis chocolate bar they might like, or a weed-infused gummy with rosin, or uh, a dispensary in Denver, Colorado, whatever that might be. So as a concrete example, our, our prospective clients, they are out there. Sometimes they know that we're grasslands. We do killer marketing and PR. And, um, but sometimes they don't know that that's who we are and that's what we do. So they're out there um, searching cannabis public relations agency. Um, your clients of the folks who are listening to this might be Googling um, dispensary near me or dispensary Santa Rosa, California, whatever that looks like. Um, I think it's so essential for entrepreneurs to understand that that people don't know that you exist and you need to position yourself in front of them via SEO. And this is a channel that is completely open to you right now. In fact, it's our second largest department at Grasslands. So 
you know, our, our biggest department is PR already talked about that, but um, our content marketing team uh, works with SEO strategy at heart at all times. And what that involves is putting content onto the website. Uh, I know you mentioned, Bethany, you are the content monster. Every organization and brand really needs a content monster because that is how your website <laughs> starts flourishing. Uh, making sure that you have brand relevant and category relevant content on your website that is regularly published and applicable to that target demographic. That is huge. And uh, uh, one last bit uh, that's that's really educational. This is news you can use. Um, if you are DIYing your own content, your own uh, content marketing and SEO work on page SEO, um, one, one thing I would recommend is what we use. And this is a, a, a newer strategy known as the pillar cluster blogging strategy. Um, it's 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 very much what one of those things that Google prefers, <laughs> and you have a pillar blog that is that keyword or key phrase. So for grasslands, one of our pillar blogs would be cannabis public relations. Um, and so maybe the headline is what is cannabis public relations, and it goes deep. And then you have just a whole assortment of cluster blogs that filter up to the pillar blog and everything is interlinked, everything is intertwined, and you are ultimately creating an ecosystem that shows Google and your visitors um, that you are an expert in this field. You are the best dispensary in Santa Rosa, California. You are the best rosin gummy in the up and coming Missouri market, or you're the best cannabis PR agency in the game. So SEO is huge. And especially given that so many of these channels are not playing well with cannabis brands right now, SEO and content marketing is something that you have to be concerned about if you have any aspirations of still being here five, 10 years down the line. Absolutely. The the storytelling, uh, as I mentioned, is really the word that I resonate um, that resonates the most for me as far as my role in the communications world. Really just love telling stories, the who, what, where, when. And also I love that my phrase content monster is catching on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a content monster here too, my friend. You got to feed the content monster. All right. Yeah. So let's take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation with Ricardo Baca of Grasslands. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right. We're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we've been talking with Ricardo Baca of Grasslands. So before we wrap up our conversation here, you mentioned Lobby Days, which I appreciate you for because it's our 11th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days happening May 16th, 17th, and 18th in Washington, D.C. I've talked about it many times in the past. It is my favorite thing that NCIA does. We have over 100, I think one year we had over 300 NCIA members. That's cannabis industry operators, CEOs, managers, and so on, fly into Washington, D.C., and we, our government relations team here at NCIA does work in the background ahead of time 
to put you into a team and to set up meetings with members of Congress on both the House and Senate side to talk about these issues that are impacting cannabis companies from operating and thriving just like any other industry. Uh, So we're advocating for safe banking. We're advocating for 280E IRS tax reform, advocating for descheduling. And like Ricardo said, none of this rescheduling nonsense, deschedule it. (laughs) As well as this bigger, comprehensive legalization goal that we've all been working toward for years and years and years. So it's super exciting to hobnob with people in the industry from across the country, as well as members of Congress and their staffers. And Washington, D.C. is beautiful. I'm from the Maryland, D.C. area originally, and it's really delightful to fly back every year with the exception of the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, to do this work. Uh, If you're a member of NCIA, please register. It's right around the corner. The sooner you register, the, the more helpful it will be for our GR team to put you on a team with other NCIA members and set up your meetings. If you're not yet a member of NCIA and you're in the cannabis industry and you want to come to Washington, D.C. with us, I can't blame you. It's so exciting. Join NCIA today. Go to thecannabisindustry.org slash join and get in there and let's do it. So, Ricardo, as we're wrapping up this episode Are there any other insights into cannabis marketing, cannabis journalism, cannabis media, and, you know, changes we're seeing and how it's impacting these companies as well as their customers or potential customers? Of course, you know, I, 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 we always try to share quality information, news you can use on our, uh, we send out an occasional email blast, maybe three, four times a month. So I would recommend that anybody who's interested in cannabis marketing, check us out. Uh, You can sign up for our blasts at mygrasslands.com and you'll see a sign up on every page of our website because uh, of course (laughs) it's all about marketing, right? Um, uh, But yeah, actually, why don't I just stick to that one element? Uh, Because I have found this to be true with so many cannabis brands um, and that is collecting your target market's data so you can remarket to them. And of course, when I say remarket to them, I mean very much we're doing this responsibly, we're providing value and not just incessantly heading them over the head with self-promotional, um, you know, ish. So, but but that is one thing I noticed with among many cannabis brands is that they are not properly uh, collecting data, you know, with all of those opportunities. You're throwing events, you're seeing people join your websites and webinars. Are do you ask yourself this hard question? Do you really think that you are properly? collecting the data of your customers so then you can remarket with them and keep that conversation going. And I'm guessing a lot of you are saying, oh man, I don't think I do that. Um, And it's just the truth. It's one of those things that a lot of us don't think of. And when we build our V1, V2 website on the cheap, we're not thinking about data collection um, or even advancing that beyond. Uh, Do you have a gated content strategy where you're providing value and then 
um, in return, collecting their data and allowing you to continue educating them. So that alone is something that I think most cannabis brands can learn. Uh, and if you need help developing that kind of a strategy, there's plenty of agency partners, including mine, uh, that can help you with that kind of thing. But just know that it is a missed opportunity. Anytime somebody comes to your website or visits your owned media in general, and you're not finding a way to track that and and take advantage of that, then then you're missing out on futures and uh, you're missing out on opportunities in the future. I always say to our clients that this is like a gift to your future yourself. Start collecting that data and using it and come see how we do it. Uh, you can literally find that uh, that email blast sign up on every page of our website at mygrasslands.com. And you'll also see how we remarket to you, how we engage you with content that we hope is of value. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that and some of the behind the scenes of how all of this marketing, advertising, and content marketing uh, and storytelling works for for our very complicated industry. Looking forward to you know federal legalization and descheduling because that'll be a bit of a game changer. But in the meantime, we are navigating uh, some turbulent waters in some some ways. But it's a lot of fun, right? So much fun every day, Bethany. (laughs) Never a dull moment. Thank you again for being on the show today, Ricardo. Really appreciate you and your insight. Hope to see you and your team in Washington, D.C. I think you've already shared the website, but for those who want to contact you, where can they reach Grasslands? Of course, mygrasslands.com beautiful. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.